This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. All right, football fans, welcome back to the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. This is Joe Serpico, and I'm bringing one half of Joe Talk. On the other line is the better half. Joe Brobeck, what's up, man? Better half, huh? This week. <laughs> this week. That's fair. I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, life's good right now. Doing a podcast with you is always a good thing. Talking football anytime is a good thing. Let's be That's real. true. Let's be real. And then a good thing about this episode is we're actually going to bring some questions on from a little mailbag that we sent out there. We had uh, quite a few people chime in. So we're going to try to answer as many of those as possible. Uh, recap, obviously, what happened last week, and then preview what's ahead. Uh, I guess we'll start out. With one game that, since we basically had questions on both sides, um, Joe, I'll let you actually fire off on what the what the questions are there. Yeah, so uh, Jared, our Tulane writer, is uh, about as confused as I think everybody in the conference is. Is his question is, what can we make of Tulane this season? And then it looks like uh, Steve Helwick, who is a Mac writer for SB Nation's Hustle Belt. Uh, he asked, where is his question? Let me pull that up here. He basically asked, yeah, what, what on earth happened to Memphis? He's also a member of our uh, G5 Fantasy Football League that I'm uh, doing well in, and you're not. Meh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, not, not, I don't, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be like, it's not a disrespect thing. I just like, it's literally like the lowest on my priority list and most of the time I don't even get to it. So I just wing it with whatever team I have and. <laughs> you have Mackenzie Milton and you're still not winning. Yeah. One guy can't win me a league, I guess. No. Anyway, so I guess let's just answer the questions there. Who do you want to start with? Tulane or Memphis? Well, I'll just start with Memphis because I watched. I didn't get a chance to watch the game live, but I watched the replay of it. And the biggest thing was the offense and defensive line play because that was that that was literally the difference in the game. Now, Memphis' O line, their struggles were more concerning than the D line because this was supposed to be a group that was going to be one of the better groups in the conference this year and they they struggled hard against Tulane's front seven, which was disappointing to watch. But I guess like the the defense line, I that was gonna be the weakness of their team. Uh they don't 
the thing they struggled with last year was they didn't really they didn't really win the line of scrimmage. It's kind of like they just held their own. They just kind of waited. I don't know if that's part of the scheme, if they just, like, wait and hold their guy up and try to play two gaps or what. But, like, they didn't get a pass rush. They couldn't get any penetration. And, I mean, Tulane gashed him, as, as we saw. And I, it was just – it was a bad game is what it is. It was a bad game. It's not indicative of – the team that Memphis is, but unfortunately teams have bad games and sometimes this is what happens. I want to kind of dive back into what you were talking about with the uh, the Memphis offensive line. I mean, Tulane, they had six six sacks coming into the game and they had eight on, Saturday, or on Friday night. And then they couldn't get Daryl Anderson going. I mean, he did have, he still had two touchdowns. But, I mean, you have to say, this is the this was a surprising win for Tulane, and what it does to Memphis in the in the hopes of winning a conference is huge because they're already in an 0-2 hole. Well, and that's that's the smart thing to do is you know that Henderson is is the guy on their on their offense, and if if you really look at it, there wasn't really a team that's tested Brady White and those new receivers coming into this this week, and if you're going to try to beat uh, this Memphis team that you're going to have to take your chances with letting Brady White beat you. Now he, he's certainly capable of it, but Tulane had a good game plan and they, they executed it really well. Now, I guess on the flip side, what do we make of this for Tulane? Because this team is really, I mean, kind of like the question was asked, they're really hard to figure out right now. I mean, I've been down on them most of the year. And this doesn't really change anything for me. I just think this was, like you kind of said, a bad game for Memphis. They happened. But, I mean, they still they held Memphis to 277. That's I, I guess you can say that's pretty impressive considering what Memphis has done to everybody else this year. Right. And I don't think Tulane's been playing poorly. I mean, obviously they got killed by Ohio State, but that's that was expected. It's not, I, I don't know. I don't. It is surprising because, you know, you and I have been talking about how we expected this team to be a lot better, and they haven't been. But then at the same time, they do something like this, and it's like we're surprised. So it's, I don't know, it's weird. To, like, we have an expectation, and then after four weeks, they, we ditch that expectation, and then that's what they do in week five. I don't know. It's definitely something they're capable of doing, but I don't know, like... So now they started one and three, and we were concerned. So now, do we are we optimistic, or I, I mean, I have to wait and see if they can do this more on a consistent basis. But uh, yeah, I, I still think we may not know what kind of team this is going to be until you know a few weeks from now. Uh, yeah, it, I still don't know what to actually say about them. I I don't think I'm as high as on them as you are. I think you like them a little bit more than I do. But every week it's just something different. Like they're, they're the most inconsistent team to follow. And I guess it's just really going to take a few more, a few more games to really figure them out. And I think that also can, is like a little bit of a perfect segue to one of the other questions we got. And it was from, where do I have the name? It's uh, Daniel Freer. Hopefully I'm saying it right. And he asked, how many boils will AAC teams do you think there will be? And, you know, 
we just brought up Tulane. They're going to be one of those teams that's in the running. So I guess I'll really let you go at it first. You know, what number do you have in your head at this point in the season of teams making it to bowl eligibility? Well, let's go through. So I think the, there's I think there's five locks. That yep, I was going to say there's five for sure, and that would be Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, USF, and UCF. Is that who you have? Yep. Yep. And then. Teams I could see making a bowl game for sure would be Navy. And then I think it comes down to the wild cards are Temple, SMU, and Tulane. I don't see – and that well, I guess, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but like, do you throw ECU into that? <laughs> you know? We'll talk about it, but that, you know, we're talking, they, they might be in that category. I'm saying seven teams. I don't even know who the seventh team is. I'm putting Navy in there, but I don't even know who that seventh team is. But I feel like some of, you know, now that we're in conference play, guys gotta be, beat up on each other, so someone's gotta finish with six wins. I'm gonna say eight. Mm-hmm. And who would be that eight? ECU, baby. You already know. Nope. I ain't buying in. You already know. I'm not buying into that. You never will. Until I see actual results. Who are they beating? Is they Old beat Old Dominion. Dominion. Yeah, is that a good win? Yeah, it may, it, the, the wins that they have right now, ECU is the... What did I say? The power rankings. ECU is now. What did I say? They're two and two. They're 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 ninth. They're ninth in the AAC, but they're the eighth best team in the ACC. Ha 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 ha! You want to know how that works? No, I'm smart enough to figure it out. Ah uh, yeah, eighth best team in the ACC, baby. That's why I like them. So I guess perfect segue into the next question. The Scott and Holman podcast, which is a Houston podcast, um, they asked, is ECU real or fake? Clearly, you think they're real. I think they're fake. You're going to think they're fake even if they make a bowl game, though. They're not going to make a bowl game. Were they going to be North Carolina? No, but they're not going to beat anybody else. Were they going to beat Old Dominion? Yes. Did you just did. did you did you put that in P6 Pickham? I don't remember what I put to be honest. You did not. You're a hater. I did. Got it right. Faith. You picked it. You picked Old Dominion. No, I picked ECU. No. You did. You picked Old Dominion. Of course, I picked Old Dominion. They're the better team. Here's here. Uh, you're gonna say fake because, I mean, I'm not gonna question your reasoning for. They were losing most of the game. It's not like they did anything impressive. I mean, they won a tight game. That's pretty. Here's here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. I don't know if we can really answer this question right now. If you're comparing. 
what we thought of them coming into the year and now I would say they're more real than fake because they they were going to be atrocious coming into this year but then you look at what they've been doing the last few weeks and I I don't think that can be ignored yeah the okay the loss to North Carolina A&T was bad we we can agree on that there's there's no debate there but they beat North Carolina by what did they beat them by 22 so I mean, this is this is you, you said a couple weeks ago that wasn't a big of a win. Okay, now, now all of a sudden it's a big win. It's not as big of a win, but when you consider where ECU was and what they're they're they were considered the worst team in this conference. They were coming off a loss to an FCS team and they beat an ACC team. That's a pretty big deal. And then you so that's one win. Okay, great, whatever we can you can say whatever you want about one win that doesn't really mean anything. Then they go to to USF, and they only give up 20 points. This is a team that was giving up like 45 points a game, and they only give up 20 to a team that was supposed to be one of the better offenses in the conference. And then they go and beat an Old Dominion team by two, which that's, you know, beating an Old Dominion isn't, isn't great, but when you look at, like, just ECU, that's a good win for their program right now. So I think they have a lot of momentum going. Well, I we'll find out a lot. I mean, I don't see. Uh, that's where I'll, I'll stop you there. Are you looking at the schedule? Yeah, I'm looking okay. at the schedule. All right. Do you, who are they going to beat the rest of the way? Other than the oh, obvious, okay. UConn. Oh, okay. Don't don't act like Temple's like a walk in the park for the Owls with how they've been playing. No, they're not. ECU could beat Temple. At this rate, they will not. I didn't say they will. I said they could. They will not. They're not winning those next four games, though. Houston, UCF, Memphis, and at Tulane, like they're not winning those. No. And then at Cincinnati to end the season, no. But then again, they weren't supposed to be North Carolina either. <laughs> no. It's not gonna happen. They literally might get one more win. Do you really? You, okay, so to dive back to the, do you really think they're gonna make a, a bowl game? Do I really? With we, that no, schedule? No, no, not with their schedule. No. But you still stand by your number eight. Yeah. You've lost your mind. What are you gonna do if they make a bowl game? I'm not gonna do anything because it's not gonna happen. There's no right. chance of it happening. You're gonna be so nervous when they're at five wins going into the. Well, they're not winning that last. Jeez, they played North Carolina State that last game. What the heck? They do. I don't see that on my schedule. Oh, ESPN's weird. What the heck? I don't see that. All right. Yeah. I'll send it to you. I'm literally looking at it. It says they play North Carolina State on December 1st. What the heck? That's weird. That is a little awkward. All right. While you do play with all that, I'll ask the next question. Uh, which one? Let's see. Where are we at? No, that, that's, that's a thing. They're playing at the end of the year. Are they really? 
Yeah, because they well they had so ECU had the game against Virginia Tech canceled because of the oh, hurricane. Shit, no, six hours ago. And then North Carolina State. North Carolina State was supposed to play West Virginia that week. Huh. Okay, that's weird. A little random tangent. Sorry, that was weird. Yeah, that's awkward. Whatever. All right. What's the next question? What do you want? Where do you want to go from here? Um. Let's see. Well, let's go. I'll I'll make this transition here. Let me uh, let me pull it up. So we obviously we talked about them quite a bit. They uh, put a shellac in on Pitt and still don't get much respect. And uh, your friend here, I don't know how to say his Twitter handle, so you can say it. Kudaball. Kudaball. He says, what team has the best chance to cause UCF to stumble in conference play? So first thing I thought when I read this was, I don't know if he's implying that they're going to lose or if they're just going to struggle. I'm assuming he's trying to say which team they will lose to. Which, uh, yeah. Let's look. I mean, in my eyes, there's there's two games, and it's the the two most obvious. They're on, I believe, yeah, they're on the road at Memphis. That's actually next weekend. And then the final game of the year against the USF. You're just you're not you're just overlooking Cincinnati. Yep. I mean, I would agree though. I guess those are the two. And then if you really want to go into it, like the third the third a third possible game would be the the uh, conference championship game. Yeah, but at this point, we have no idea who that's going to be from the West. Absolutely none. Yeah, that's true. I don't know, but here, here's it's hard the thing. to see Memphis getting in there somehow with those two losses already. Well, yeah, right now I would say Houston is that team. Exactly. Well, but here's here's what I'll say. So when we're looking, like, if you look at the schedule right now, would you pick against UCF in any of those games? Pick against them? Yeah. No, I don't think you can right now. Right. I mean, you you could think about it with Memphis and USF, but it's not like, oh, yeah, I'm taking Memphis or USF for sure. But so then, like, you look back at this Memphis-Tulane game, where did you ever think twice about picking Tulane over Memphis? Mm, not really. No, not, 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 from, not from what we had seen Tulane in the prior weeks, especially against Ohio State, where they just got blown up. Right, and not saying not, I'm not saying that Memphis is the same caliber of UCF right now because they're not, but it's always I feel like it's always the teams that you you never expect, you know, and that I don't know, like it's easy to pick Memphis and USF, but like a team like Cincinnati, if they're playing really well, could I don't know, yeah, right now I don't see. So I guess to answer the question, like we both said, it's either at Memphis or at USF. That's about it. I, don't, I really don't. I'm not, I think they really benefit from three three home games in a row. That's kind of nice. 
Yeah, especially against FAU and and Pitt. No, I'm talking about down the stretch too. They got three in a row. Where oh Temple Navy yeah that is nice. Yeah, they got three three games in a row. Very nice. Yeah, how fun is that UCF Memphis game going to be though? That that could really be the one right there. That's going to be fun. Well, that could really be the one. It's not a late game either, which is kind of surprising. It's three thirty. No. Anyways, let's move forward. What's next? Uh, we got so we got two more. So I mean, we could stick with your with Kudu Ball again. Uh, game coming up. Houston Tulsa plays Thursday. They play Thursday night, and he says. Does Ed Oliver make any kind of statement this Thursday on ESPN? Uh, I mean, it's not like it's his first game on ESPN. And the guy just always just dominates. I don't think it makes a difference that... Actually, maybe it does make a little bit more of a difference because it is the only game of that night. But are people really going to just tune in to see Ed Oliver, though? I think more people than have in the past will tune in, but I, I agree with you. Like, it's not, you know, it's not everybody's top priority. Here's what I will say, though. I mean, I'd be more, honestly, me personally, I'm more interested to see what Derek King does. The way he does running the yeah, offense as a late. The offense is definitely taking some of the attention away from him. The other thing, though, is teams are doing a lot better job of scheming against Oliver. They've done a lot better job of keeping him out of the out of the game and limiting his impact. Which like the guy has to take on double and triple teams all week, but I think teams are starting to figure out like we can just we can just do this and you know, go horizontally with the football and he doesn't make as much of an impact. Even in the beginning of the game, they get him going side to side and he's tired. And then they start attacking right at him because he's tired and that's been effective. So I, his stats aren't what they, what they normally are, but maybe this is like with how Tulsa runs the ball, they, maybe this is the first game that he has that's, you know, back to where he's used to being. Yeah, I, it's just hard to get I mean I know that me and you know how good this guy is and where he's going to be at the next level but for the for the average fan to get up for Ed Oliver I just I can't see it well they they're they're worthless college football then if you don't want to watch him he is a beast absolutely monster he's so fun to watch he he reminds me uh, in college football, but he reminds me of like Donald, uh, Aaron Donald. I mean, that guy just lives in the backfield, man. And he was great at it was at he was at Pitt, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. he he was it, it was. I don't like. I mean, the comparison is is spot on because he they both like high motor guy just knows how to make plays and it's just. They disrupt the flow of your offense. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. That there's going to be the same kind of player. That's the new, the new defensive tackle in, in football right now. That's what you want him to be like. 
like Aaron, like Aaron Donald, and I think Ed Oliver is the closest thing to that, at least in the collegiate level right now. And I, it's not even close. Oh, yeah. and, I, and, then now, and now with uh, Bosa being hurt, I mean, you have to say he's the best defensive player in the country. I would have said that before. I mean, I agree with you there, too. But some people are just... I think Bosa is overhyped more because he's got a brother that's already in the league. Well, he plays on Ohio State. Like, people from Ohio State are going to get more attention than Houston. That, too. That is also true. Did we just agree on something? For once. Wow. Man, this this is a good podcast. We can probably just end it right there. I'm good with that. <laughs> um, our last... Our last question is from the Golden Hurricast, which is a Tulsa podcast, and they ask, chances Seth Boomer is Tulsa's savior at quarterback. Define savior. That's what I need to know. (laughs) Define savior. Uh, Just, you know, maybe just, you know, competent to play at quarterback. I mean, they're a mess. They're they're a lot like Temple was last year, where they're just like shuffling through quarterbacks midseason again. And I don't know who's to say he is. We thought that was Luke Skipper. He's got what's the ridiculous number of turnovers he's got already this year? Six thousand. Might as well be. He's got. Uh, I got the numbers here. Uh, he's got. He's got ten turnovers already this year. Yikes! Through four games. Four games. Yeah. He had five against Temple. And the, and the best part about that stat is they had twelve turnovers all of last season. Wow. Yeah. He's got ten in four games. What's scary though is that Chad oh, really? President's still on the team. And, like, Skipper's beating him out. And we already saw what we're going to get from Chad President. So it feels like they already they just have to go in a completely different direction. Well, uh, Phil Montgomery basically said that there's a quarterback competition again. And from everything I've seen from around Tulsa stuff, it does look like the Seth Boomer is going to get the start. But that's why – who are we to know what this kid's going to do? You know what I mean? Like, it's the same thing last year, basically. They thought that Luke Skipper was going to be there to save them, and then look how that's turned out. It seems like now they just got like three quarterbacks that are all meh. And what sucks is that their their defense is actually and they're not playing great, but they're playing a heck of a lot better than last year. But that hasn't mattered because their offense has been so average. Just, I mean, can't turn the ball over that many times. Just I know, plain and simple. And I guess it wasn't really asked, but I'll ask you the question. Philip Montgomery, is he on the hot seat? Because it's starting to get bad. I mean, 3-13 and 13, the past two years, or whatever you want to call it, a year and four games now. I feel like he has to be. I know I know he went, t- what, 10-3 and three that first year, but those weren't his guys. Exactly. So my argument, too. Not that last, I mean, last year those, they weren't his guys, but he lost, he lost his studs, and then he couldn't do anything, so it's, I feel like he just has to be because he hasn't done anything. He hasn't. 
Mm, really has not. I'm agree with you there. Another time on this podcast, I agree with you. I mean, right now, I'd take I'd take ECU over Tulsa. At least ECU's showing some heart and that they can compete and even win games. I'm gonna say this again. I can't believe I'm agreeing with you there too. But yeah, <laughs> ECU over Tulsa right now. You can't argue that though. You literally can't. Because at least, like you kind of said, ECU's showing some signs of life, and Tulsa's just no. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's real bad. All right, I guess we kind of talked about some of the uh, games that happened last week already, so let's just kind of go through basically the two that we didn't really talk about. Uh, one being Temple's 35-45 loss to Boston College. I uh, obviously watched that game. They, they actually were in control of that game for the first quarter and a half. And then just like that, even I was just, I couldn't figure out what had happened. I was like, wait a second. Like it was like a blink of an eye. And the next thing you know, they went from being up to, up eight to down 14. And I was like, what, wait, how did that happen that quickly? And the worst part about it is, I mean, Raquel Armstead was an absolute beast going 171 and four TDs. I mean, he really outplayed A.J. Dillon in my eyes. And A.J. Dillon is one of the best backs in the country. He out, You're saying he outplayed A.J. Dillon? Why, you don't think so? I mean, he had, I, okay, he had 171 yards and four touchdowns, which is good, but Dillon had 161 and two. I would I mean, by te- technicality, and, and Dillon, then, yeah. Dillon's running against Temple. He also got Armstead hurt and didn't play the fourth quarter. You're not listening to me. Armstead did this against Boston College's defense. That's also true. Dylan did this against Temple's defense, who hasn't been able to stop anybody so far this year, it looks like. Other than Maryland, which doesn't seem to make any sense to me either. That's true. How about about the backup running back for Boston College running for 120 yards? That's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Uh Granted, he had 23 Uh... carries, too. Yeah, twenty two carries from his own. Yeah, okay, I'll be I'll be honest, when I look when I looked at the box score and I saw Armstead at hundred seventy one and four, that, that caught my eye more than Dylan's one. Like I think the other thing is I think we kinda just expected not because he's playing Temple, because he's AJ Dylan, like we expected him to have a hundred yards rushing and a touchdown or two. Whereas Armstead hasn't shown hasn't at least shown this. No. Granted, a couple of them were like one yard out, but the, the I mean, first play of the game, or maybe the second play it was. I mean, he took it 75 yards, of, you know, for a touchy. So, outran that Boston College defense. But yeah, um, I thought it was a little bit interesting actually in that game. So, on the very first play, Temple had all three quarterbacks out there. They were all lined up in various places, but it was kind of weird. And now I guess it's, what we're seeing now that it's Anthony Russo's job is Frank Newtow played that down and that was basically about it. And he, yeah. he hasn't done anything to impress me to make me, and almost makes you wonder, you know, what, where is Newtow? Where are any of their quarterbacks? Oh, well, that's true too. 
I mean, I I mentioned it earlier in the year, which I couldn't believe it was even a discussion, but Frank Newtile's name was in, if you went on some of the, uh, like, Bovada's betting site there, they had Newtile in the discussion for a Heisman candidate. Didn't you say they didn't have A.J. Dillon? And they did not have A.J. Dillon, which makes that sense seems to me. so, like, that seems so wrong. Yeah, I agree. It's one of those things I don't That understand. has to be, that has to be an error. Well, I think now, now he's obviously in there. Because those, right, things, but those things adjust, but like, oh, AJ Dillon it, coming into this year had more hype than freaking Frank Newtile. I agree 100%. I agree with you there. They, uh, I was actually stunned to hear that name not being on there. Yeah, that's weird. Anyway, the other game that I wanted to bring up for multiple reasons. One being the way Cincinnati just destroyed UConn, 49-7. But my thing that I really want to touch on is, there was one thing that I said in the last episode. Oh, I'm glad you're bringing this up. That I said that I really, really liked. And what was it? I said that I liked. (laughs) You said you you liked UConn to cover. You said it was an easy cover. I said it was an easy (laughs) money. That plus 17. And guess Uh. what? First, you know, UConn. Their first possession, what do they do? Score a touchdown. And I'm like, yep, this is exactly what I need. No. To be fair, I, I listened to our podcast, or last week's podcast a couple days ago, and there were a few things that we said, including myself included, that it was, now it looks, I look back at it, I'm like, oh man, this is, does not look good. It looks like we don't know what we're talking about this episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Definitely a humbling week for Joe Talk. Yeah, but I think, so the thing that I said was I didn't think Cincinnati had the firepower to be a 17-point favorite on the road. And then what do they do? They score touchdowns on seven of the first nine drives. (laughs) I mean, UConn's defense, good Lord, where are you? Where's, Where's the stat that I wrote down? that I thought was an absolute joke. Oh, wait. Okay, here it is. Here it is. They gave up 659 yards, right? Jeez. Listen to this. That improved their season average. What's their season average? I don't have it written down. It was. I think I want to say it was 664, actually, or something like I'm, that. I'm looking it up right now. It was something along those lines. Like, Well, like, that number actually improved... And I'm like, good lord, what was the number then? Was it 700? Like, it is unbelievable. Six, six, they're at 663. They're giving up, they're giving up 53.4 points per game. And I mean, don't get me wrong, they've played some. The schedule makers have not been kind to them. But at the same time, just off They're the top of my head, I think they gave up 49 points to Rhode Island. It was in the 40s for sure. <gasps> yeah, they gave up 49. Like, <laughs> this it, is how bad it is. They're giving up almost 120 more yards per game than the next worst team. In the country. <laughs> Are you saying in the country? In the country, in the yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, let's go in conference. Oh man, it's Houston. Dang it. They're giving up 
160 more yards per game than Houston. Yeah, but, Houston. Okay, but yeah, but Houston's, I think Houston's problem is they're just been pounding. They got up early on teams and just, you know, the other teams are forced to sling it. Yeah, that's also true, but Houston's defense is trash and D'Onofrio shouldn't be gone. Yeah, they should be replaced by, who's the guy that we said we want to take over? Southern? Our Texas Southern D yeah. coordinator? Yeah, we want Texas Southern's D coordinator so yeah, for, <laughs> for Houston. Oh man. But yeah, that number for UConn is just disgusting. It's just absolutely disgusting. Well, cause remember we were talking about, what were we talking about? I feel like about? we could, we could find high school football teams that can do better than that. Yeah, and we were talking about the Texas, the Texas Tech Houston game and how like giving up 600 yards, like no great D coordinator has given up 600 yards. And then of course, Bud Foster's defense gives up 600 yards. Minor details. But this is a team that's given up 600 yards a game. Yeah, not once. Again, yeah, the lowest amount of points scored on them this year is that 49 against Cincinnati this week. Oh my god, they're so bad. That matches also what Rhode Island scored against them. Jeez, they're terrible. I mean, how much longer? And I'm blanking on, oh my god, how am I blanking on right now? Maryland's old coach, Randy Edsel. How much longer does he keep his job? Because at some point, I mean, I understand, these, again, these are not his kids. We just made that argument about Phil Montgomery. So these aren't his kids, really, but do something to get them going. Like, Yeah. I mean, they, the, they are just laying down before the game starts. And I just, it's a waste of David Pendell. It's like, well, he looks good, but he can't do it anything. We're going to say that every week. We are going to say it every week. I just think it's scary how how like it was funny that that Nick uh in our Slack channel when I asked for power rankings put Wichita State in instead of UConn but like yeah. that's yeah, that's, that's so how funny. bad UConn is. Yeah. So I, bad. I, I'm pretty sure I put somewhere I don't remember where it was but UConn it's about time to maybe just give up on the football program. Like if you're not going to it doesn't look like they're even trying. They're not. It's just miserable how bad that is. It's frustrating. To, like, if you're a fan, like, why? I Yeah, I don't know. It, I mean, you'd have to argue this is maybe one of the worst teams in the past decade. I mean, I beat up on ECU a lot last year, but, geez, they weren't even this bad. Like, this is this is terrible. This is, I mean, beyond terrible. Are they, I can't uh, use words I would say about them. Are they the worst team in college football right now? Without a doubt. I don't even know who else you would... Would you say they're worse than UTEP? Yes. Would you say they're worse than San Jose State? I don't... I'll be honest. I don't watch enough San Jose State, but... I'm just looking at these numbers, and, like, UConn is just so far behind. I mean, you just said that they're 100 points behind, or 100 yards behind everyone. And what is the point differential? Can you look that up? Uh, yeah, I got it right here. So there, you said, what, 52? They're at 53.4. The next, next highest is 47.8. And who's that? Bowling Green. That's 
I didn't expect you to say that. I was waiting for you to say either UTEP or... Uh... And Oregon State is that team that that has 120 yards better per game. And they're, they're the third worst scoring defense at 45.2. Yeah, but why... Watch, I don't know if you can even say that. I was going to say, you could argue that the schedule for Oregon State's better, but, I mean, if you look at, if you look at UConn's schedule so far, it is pretty daunting too. I mean, yeah. UCF, Boise, but then, like, you give up 49 to Rhode Island, so I just, like, I don't know if you take, I don't know. And then Syracuse scores 51, now Cincinnati scores 49, they got Memphis next, then South Florida. I mean, when does it stop? When, maybe when, maybe our new question to end the podcast is how many yards and points is insert team name that UConn plays this week here gonna put up this week? Yeah, that might be what we're doing at the end of this one. Let's see how I'm feeling at the end of the show. Jeez. Oh, I guess that's really it for last week, dude. I mean, we don't really have to talk about that SMU. Actually, there is one thing I do want to talk about that SMU, um, Houston Baptist game, and it has nothing to do with the score. Um, Ben Hicks didn't play a whole lot. Should we make something of that? Or is this just more just because they were playing Houston Baptist? Oh, I think, I think he's done. You think so too? See, I thought that was possibly the case too. I mean, even last week, William Brown was playing more than Hicks was anyways. That'll be, uh, that'll be, so it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Yeah. Because they've got, well, they're going to have to score a ton of points next week. But I guess we'll start with the Thursday night game. We kind of alluded to a little bit. That's Houston taking on Tulsa. That's 8 p.m. Thursday night on ESPN. Houston, an 18-point favorite at home. I think Houston, no. I mean, Houston wins by wins by 21 points. I, I, that wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Considering what we've seen from Tulsa so far this year, which is almost nothing, and what we have seen from Houston's offense. And no, maybe, did, maybe like did, my buddy Kudabal said, maybe, maybe Ed Oliver really just plays the game of his life because it's on ESPN and they just really wipe the floor with Tulsa. Didn't you didn't you see that Houston's favored by eleven hundred? See, I th- you know what I think that is. To be honest, I think that's the money line. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but that, I thought that was funny. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the money line. When I saw that, I was like, mm. I might take yeah. that bet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sad part is you might still lose. <laughs> I hope not. That would be terrible to lose that one. <laughs> there was. Did you did you see that tweet that went around and a. I can't remember who it was, but it was like somebody bet like like five thousand dollars to win a dollar sixty on Alabama money line. Oh yeah, I saw that. Like, and then the answer to are all the replies that were great. Like somebody's trying to hide some dirty money. <laughs> yeah, that's clearly what's going on there. Gosh, that's hide some dirty money. But yeah, anything you it... want to say about that Houston game other than I mean, I mean. This is a game I think we both can agree, especially because Houston was on a bye, so they've had time to really prep for this game. They should see, go through for these. See, here's here's the thing. Last year, I thought Houston was going to run away with this one, and they lost 45 to 17. The year before that, which was the year that they were they were 
was that the year they were ranked like sixth, all the way up to sixth? Yeah. And they lost, they had lost already, but Tulsa, they had to get a goal line stop just so Tulsa couldn't tie the game. So the last two years it's been, oh, Houston's going to win easily. And then they went one on one and could have gone 0 and two. So I'm a little hesitant, like being comfortable with Houston winning, but I think just, I mean, what we talked, we talked about it before. They're giving up 500 yards per game. And while I don't think Tulsa's offense can keep up with Houston's offense, Houston's defense still hasn't proven that they can make enough stops to make anybody comfortable. Yeah, but Tulsa is going through all these quarterback problems that we just talked about. I know, but they were going through that last year too and they kicked the crap out of Houston. You got an argument there. You got a solid argument there. I mean, last year's game also was a, it was a cumulative thing of Tulsa got some some lucky bounces, and then things just went their way. And then by the time that the everything finally settled down, it was too late for Houston to come back with that type of offense that they were running. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything else to say about that game. I yeah, I personally think Houston. That's. I think their it, offense is different this year. So it, yeah, yeah, I agree with I you. I think I think that eighteen point a spread is. I actually kind of like it. Yeah. Just because they've had that off week. Tulsa, again, going through the quarterback thing. Houston is, I like it. I like it. Might, might make an article I write later this week. Alright, so, let's go to the Saturday games, the 12 o'clock. Uh, the first one being Tulane, traveling to Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a seven point favorite. Honestly, that surprised me how low it was. I guess that really, mm. I guess that really makes you wonder. Even Vegas doesn't know what to make of Tulane so far. Well, I think that's one of those games that you, uh, you. If I tell you anything for your article, stay away from this game. Oh, definitely not even touching this one. Not even close. Because we don't know what to make of Tulane, and Cincinnati is that like up and coming team that's. Probably due for a letdown, but like I think they're better than Tulane and they're at home. But you, I don't like that. Doesn't it seems like that doesn't mean anything in this game? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Cincinnati, me personally, I think they are they're they're starting to prove to me. Especially if you score forty nine points in Grand, yeah, okay, it was UConn, but they like it turned my head just a little bit. Just consider, I mean, you score. Against anyone seven of nine times. That's pretty impressive. That's true. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. So a lot of teams bogged down at least a couple times like they didn't at all. And I think it's an interesting note that they've already got more wins than last year. Five, we're five weeks in. Were they four and, four and eight? Yep. Well, now they're five and oh. And then Dang. if they win this game, they're already bowl eligible. Dang. It's crazy to think that. Cincinnati. But yeah, you said it. That seven point spread. I will not be anywhere near that one. Here's another game I won't be anywhere near. It's ECU at Temple. Temple is a 13 point favorite. <laughs> Why? I, 
my question to you was going to be, like, how concerned are you that ECU might win this game? I don't think ECU's going to win, but I don't think it should be. A, we should be a thirteen-point favorite either. What do you think it should be? I think it should be more about eight. And you don't think ECU could win the game? No. With an eight-point spread, really? No. Hmm. I might just pick them in. You do that. You six pick them. Yeah, you should. You do that, and I'll tell you you're wrong. Temple will win the game because, one, they're at home. Two, I don't see ECU's not going to be able to stop Armstead. I I think Armstead is really getting it going. It wasn't just the last game against Boston College. Even the game before, I mean, he started the Yakup yard, so... I think they're they're realizing that their best player is him and just give the guy the ball. Did they play last year? Who's that? ECU and uh Temple. Yes. They did. Oh yeah, here it is. Temple won thirty four to ten. I can't remember where the game was though. I wanna say it was it was it was at ECU. It was at ECU, okay. Yeah, I mean I, I I'm with you, I like I like Temple. I don't I'm I don't like by 13 because I don't know what's going on with the, it, okay, speaking, speaking of games, you don't want to, like, you mentioned it, you don't want to touch is this is another game that you want to stay weird, away from. Yeah, that's a weird number. Like a really weird number. Cause if, if the, say that ECU figures out a way to stop Armstead in the running game and the quarterback play continues to be whatever you, whatever it is now, like we're we're talking about a ball game here, and that's not good. You know, it sounds weird to say. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but like ECU knows who their quarterback is now. It's that kid Herring. Yeah, I don't know. Temple doesn't know who their quarterback is right now. Right. But I I mean I'm watching the games and I'm coming into this week. I, I'm for putting New Tile back in there because Russo hasn't done anything to wow me. But then again, neither does New Tile this year. And then I don't know if the other kid, Santeo, I don't know if he's even ready because he's more of a runner. As a passer, we haven't seen enough of him to see. So, I mean, they're based, let's put it this way, Temple, Tulsa, they're almost in the same predicament. they got three quarterbacks, and they don't know which one is their, their guy right now. And that's not good for long-term success. Nope, not whatsoever. And I don't know, I'm not sure if the Temple has, like, a guy that they did pick up a quarterback in their most recent class, but I don't know if he is, because Russo was actually pretty highly uh, highly ranked coming out, but I just from what I've seen so far, it's nothing impressive. But then again, it's only been two starts too, so maybe I'm just being a little a little rough on him. Anyways. I, think, I think you're expecting, like you're you have higher expectations for quarterback play because you thought you were gonna that was gonna be a position you didn't have to worry about. No, see, I was actually worried about New Talk because, like, I kind of brought up coming into the year, I thought they benefited from the schedule down the stretch, and even in the bowl game that they won, and they won pretty convincingly, but that was because FIU's quarterback got knocked out. So it wasn't like they did anything that really impressed me. They just beat the teams they they should have beaten. You know, you, down the stretch, they beat ECU. Uh, last year, Cincinnati was not the same as Cincinnati as this year, and UConn, and then they were in. That's how they got in. And then when you start this year losing to Villanova, oof, 
<laughs> oh man. All right, let's talk some service academy football for a minute. The Navy is going on the road to take on Air Force. Navy is actually a three and a half point favorite, which mm-hmm. kind of surprised me considering it is on the road. Um, Air Force has actually done pretty well in this series as of late. Granted, I'm not really paying attention to Air Force this year, so I don't know how well they're doing. As opposed, I do watch a little bit of Navy, but that just that just seems like a little interesting number in, in my eyes. Three point three point favorite on the road. Yeah, especially because it's a rivalry game. That's what I mean. It's a, it's a you know, uh, usually you would think it would be the other way around. In three, to be honest, I would think that Air Force went three just because of the home team, and then you said it, rivalry game, and I mean. Air Force always plays Navy well. I mean, they get up for these games more than more than any other game. And it's well, and a battle. It, What's the name of the trophy again? What's it? The Commander in yeah. Commander in Chief trophy. Yep. I would purposely lose this game because I wouldn't want the trophy. The guy that's in the office right now. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Purposely don't need to get. Losing. We don't need to get into politics here. Okay. Okay. I'll stop there. I mean, Air, Air Force is one and three, but so they won their first game and they lost their the last three in a row. But those three games have come by a total of nineteen points they've lost by. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I would almost say it should just be a pick'em game. Well, yeah, that's that's honestly what surprises me. Especially with the, with them and, and then you throw Army. All like all those games should just be pick'em. I agree. Unless, uh, one team is, you know, has only 11 players on their roster. And that, I just pulled up, uh, actually pulled up Air Force's schedule. So they lost to FAU. I mean, FAU is, is not the team that we thought coming in this year, but they could still score some points. They should be Air Force. Let's just put it that way. Um, Air Force loses to Utah State on the road. Utah State has been receiving votes in our G5 rankings. I think, honestly, they're a lot better than they've been ranked in our rankings, to, to be honest. I think Utah State's actually a pretty good team. And then losing to Nevada, I don't think that's a bad loss either. I think Nevada is actually an underrated team this year. I Yeah, I would agree. Wow, we're agreeing on a lot of stuff. Why? Are you okay? I'm perfectly fine, I think. Man. I'm the one that says all the weird stuff. You're supposed to be like the voice of reason. I don't think this natural light's making me do anything weird here. <laughs> all right, so then I guess the other out-of-conference game this week would be South Florida on the road against UMass. Uh, the Bulls are a 14-point favorite on the road. Now, if I'm remembering correctly, because there was just a lot going on this weekend, did Whipple get fired? Oh, I know he got suspended, but I don't Is know. Is that what it was? Suspended? But I know he got, I know he was in the news. Uh, yeah, he got suspended. What for you? Uh, he, uh, he was describing a, he was complaining about officiating and he said that one of his players had been, I don't, am I allowed to say this word on podcast? I don't know. I don't know what the word is. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a 
how do I describe it without saying it? It's uh instead of screwed, you would say something uh, starts with an F. Uh no, it starts with an R. Five letter word. Oh, oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Rhymes with vaped. Yeah, gotcha. Baylor. Jerry Sandusky. Oh jeez. You're really you were really towing the line right now. I can keep going. Man. Commander in chief. Well, we brought up Ohio State, too, so, jeez, we're bringing everything up right now. You want to talk about Maryland real quick? No. Gosh. That's a whole other debacle right there. They're actually going to keep that guy. I can't believe it. Anyways, let's go, let's go. Uh, SMU is traveling to UCF. Whoa, whoa, we're just going to move past USF and UMass. I don't get a chance to hate on USF. Oh, you want to hate on USF? By all no, means, I, I don't want to hate on them. UMass is fun to watch, though. That could be a good game. Yeah, but doesn't Whipple call the plays? No, uh, yeah. I don't know. I just, I like, uh, uh, who is it? Uh, Ford and Isabella for mm-hmm. wide receiver. I, I do like Ford. Isabella's fun, too. Yeah. That'll be a good one. Alright, then. SMU travels to UCF. UCF is a 24-point favorite. That game's on at 7 o'clock on Saturday. UCF, I do want to bring this up, all right? This is my my beef of the week. Why are they only at number 12? You know why. It's unbelievable why they're at number 12. No, it doesn't make any sense. Where's my notes? Let me really fire off on this one. They beat... FAU, right? FAU. Fort Atlantic. They moved mm-hmm. up three spots. Mm-hmm. FAU is in what category? G5, right? Mm-hmm. It's a G5 team, supposedly. I'll go. But then when they beat a Power 5 team, they only move up one spot. And the team ahead of them, Penn State, who don't get me wrong, losing Ohio State is no... What's the word I'm looking for? It's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, yeah, okay, just put it that way. Yeah, it's not bad whatsoever because Ohio State is a great team. But what bothers me, of the literally the the differential in points between number 11 and number 12, which is Penn State and UCF. Penn State, 920 points, all right? UCF, 759. And it's crazy because, okay, some would be like, well, that's not that many. Look at some of the, like, if you look at it the rest of the way, there isn't that big of a jump the rest of the way. And what I also can't understand is, take a team like Kentucky. All right? They jumped up four spots. Stanford, they dropped seven spots with a loss. I mean, I just don't understand. We talked about this a lot last year, actually, but they're just going to keep getting kept down. It doesn't matter what it takes. Yeah, because it's the AP poll and it's represented by mostly Power Five people. So but if and we talked about this last year, if you're undefeated, right? And you, mm-hmm. I, I personally think you should move behind. Yeah, okay, mate. Is Penn State a better team than UCF? Probably. 
I'm not a big Penn State fan whatsoever. But probably, yeah, probably. But at this point, UCF is undefeated. Well, and to your, to your point, like, if you... And who has Penn State beaten? <coughs> in comparison to UCF. They beat Appalachian State. Oh, wow. And they almost Don't lost. Get me wrong, I, I do like... Yeah, exactly. They almost lost that game. Uh, so they beat Appalachian State, Pitt, Kent State, Illinois. So nobody. Exactly. So why why are they ahead of UCF? Yeah, and that, well, you, um, my answer to your question is you know why, but like that's why I, that's why I don't like the AP polls because one, everybody takes preseason hype into consideration when they vote for this at the beginning of the year, which is dumb because anything from last year or this off season doesn't matter. You need to be like, like Alabama still does not deserve to be first. Their res, their resume, I mean, they beat, okay, so they beat Texas A&M, but no other wins have, I mean, other than put up a ton of points against teams, like they haven't looked, it's not like they beat and impressed their team outside Texas A&M. And if you're going to say, oh, well, they've looked good. Well, UCF looked good. I mean, we can agree on that. But then you look at, look at Penn State, like they, they, their four wins are against terrible teams and they lost, they lost by one to a good team. But are you, it goes back to that argument. Do you reward teams for winning or do you reward them for good, good losses? And I think if you start rewarding teams for good losses, then that's, that's stupid. I think we can agree on that. Like you're rewarding losing. Why why are we doing that? No, that that's my argument actually. And then they, I mean, my argument about Kentucky, right? They moved up four. They move up four spots. What is their reason for moving up four spots? Other than the uh, fact uh, that uh, why they're an undefeated team in the Power Five. They just beat they beat Mississippi State two weeks ago, and then they beat South Carolina. Yeah, okay. That's that's why, but I mean, whatever. Yeah. Here's the, other thing. Say, the, the reason why they they jump up four spots is because they're a power five team, as opposed to UCF. They they move up one spot. Why right. aren't they moving up the same number of spots? Well, and you know that when the college football playoff poll comes out, that UCF is going to be like nineteenth. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I'm going or, to point to the schedule, and then I'm going to literally be like, "Hey, look, you just said it. Who who has?" Penn State played in the start of this year. Nobody. Where would you have UCF ranked? Eight? No. Excuse me. Where are the... Let me look at this. Nine. You think they're better than Washington? Yes. Washington has a loss. Wait, you'd have them at nine over West Virginia? No. You have to... I'm bumping Auburn down because Auburn has a loss. Oh, okay. I see. Gotcha. But then even okay, so because I see a couple other teams in here, All right, Colorado four and Why are they not ranked ahead of like, freaking Texas? Like or even yeah, even Michigan State. Michigan State, yeah. I mean, I think Miami's a good team. I think Oregon's a good team. I think Wisconsin's actually a very good team. But I think they're also appropriately ranked for having one loss. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, it's going to be a thing that's going to we're, we could talk about every podcast and it's not going to change because people are still naive and have a power five bias and like it's it's one day that'll change. I mean, it, even if you're within the power five, like there's issues. You know, like Alabama's ranked first in the AP poll every year because of the year before. No one actually looks at what they're like. Here's here's my biggest issue is people don't like a ton of fluctuation. Like the AP poll through the first four weeks, teams should fluctuate a ton because they get the first week there were four. You should have had top four teams should have been LSU, Notre Dame, Auburn, and I don't remember who else played a ranked matchup, but the winner of that game. Like those should have been the four best, top four teams because they have the four best wins, but they weren't. Why? Because Alabama was ranked first in the preseason, which means absolutely nothing. And because people don't actually want to look at the resume, they're just going to put Alabama first because they might be there at the end of the year. Like that, it, it's a flaw right off the bat, and it's not. It doesn't even have to do with like power five versus group of five. It's just people don't understand how this stuff should work. And I guess before we end this conversation, before we really go down rabbit holes here, but I think it is important to note, and we have kind of seen it in our our G5 rankings, is it's clear that the American is separated itself. So whether, you know, I think we've talked about it quite a bit, this Power 6 movement, it does make sense. Because I think they are... Better. Okay. Well, let's put it this way. Some teams are better, but then what's holding them back is a UConn and a ECU. I think that's what's really holding the conference back from being that that P6. But the top of the table, you know, we've talked about those four teams, Houston included. I mean, you can even throw in Navy every year because they, you know, they always do better than everybody expects. I think they do their part, but we just need – just can't have those bottom two teams being so bad. So here's like – But I think – I, I guess what I was trying to say is, is it's time for the rest of the country to stop thinking of UCF and USF and Memphis and Houston. Stop thinking of them as G5 schools. Like, think of them as the program that they are. They're legit programs. It's time to stop talking about who, you know, what they are playing. I mean, I guess it's hard to say what they're playing against. But I think they have come to prove themselves now as being worthy of being in the discussion. Like, if we're going to talk about the the Pac-12 and the Big 12 teams in there, and some of those teams, I mean, granted, they're not putting up... They're not putting up numbers like UConn's terrible as teams are. But, I mean, Texas Texas defense is never usually any better than UConn's. You know what I mean? So, and then you have Kansas, and, you know, they, I mean, they're a little bit better this year, but historically they've been god-awful. So why can't, why can't they be that? Let's look at Houston, UCF, USF, Memphis for what they really are. They're actually solid programs. They should be in a discussion just like, what are some of those teams we were just talking about? Kentucky and Washington and, you know, teams like that. They should be in there. They should totally be in that conversation. 
Right, and I think, like, to your point, the program, their reputation should, you know, that should carry them throughout each year, but just look at, like, you look at UCF right now and how they're playing. Like, when you watch them, you can tell they're a dominant team and they, they're a good team, but that just doesn't mean anything to anybody because oh, they don't play anybody, which I understand, but that doesn't mean they're a bad team. I was glad to see them, like, put the pedal to the metal on pit. Like, Which is what they should do. That's, should, yeah, that's exactly. how you send a message. And I hope they just continue to do that the rest of the year. Just literally just blow up everybody like that. Because how – I mean, we've kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but how can you keep them out if they stay undefeated two years in a row? I mean, it, it's, it's going to be easy for – committee to do, but I get yeah, your point. It doesn't, I mean, yeah, they'll, they'll find a way. There's so many issues with, like, the, the AP poll and the college football playoff like, already. So, like, that's that's the reason why they won't get in, because there there's flaws with that and issues with that, and there's biases and preconceived notions that about the AAC, or even like, like a team like Boise State. Like, Boise State gets put in that same category as UCF because of the conference they play in. Which is BS. That's a perfect, that's another team, that's a perfect example. Honestly, Boise's been doing it longer than anybody in America, I would say. And they still can't get the love that they deserve. And it's, it's funny with those teams that it's, it, it's the same, it's the same argument every single year. Going, so they, they make one of those teams makes it to, a New Year's Six Bowl, and the team they're playing says, this team has no chance against us, we're just going to run them over, and then that team pulls off the upset, like UCF against Auburn, Boise State against Oklahoma, the Fiesta Bowl, like they pull off the upset, and then what do the fans say? Oh, well, they didn't play anybody, so it was easy for them to prepare. It's like, no, don't, don't pull that card after your arrogance said, oh, we can beat them easily. Like, that's what I, people in the SEC were saying. Oh, UCF has no chance against Auburn. And then what do they do? They beat them. And then it's, oh, well, they didn't play anybody. No, shut up. Don't say that. Yeah, I hate that argument, too. I totally hate that argument. Like, take your take your pride and go home. They lost. And the better team won. I think yeah. UCF proved that they were the better team. And here's the thing. you We don't live in a perfect world where you can every team can schedule – like the hardest, they can put together the hardest schedule ever because scheduling doesn't work like that. No, they do and, that years in advance. I think people, some people don't realize that. Like everybody like goes, well, why doesn't Alabama play UCF this year? It's like, it doesn't work like that. Like this stuff is agreed to years and years in advance. Like right. somebody, some of these teams have games picked out in like 2024 already. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like they don't understand that. Well, oh, you just saw it. No, it doesn't work like that. Yep. If it was that easy, yeah, we would have that game this year. I think everybody would have signed up for it, too. Both sides to finally end the debate. It would have been a cash grab for UCF, that's for sure. All right, then I guess wrong. one last game, because we really went off on a tangent on UCF there, but I really wanted to. Uh, UConn's traveling to Memphis. Memphis is a 35-point favorite. I'm not going to make the same statement I made last week. Memphis is going to win by 50-plus. 
Orca, yeah. They're, shoot, if, if Cincinnati can do what they did last week, I feel pretty comfortable about what UConn, or uh, what Memphis can do against UConn's defense. And then Memphis coming off a loss has something to prove. Oh yeah. Sorry, UConn. 70 points coming up. Do you have any idea what Memphis's career or most points scored in a game is? No. Uh, no idea. I don't know what it is either, but I'm willing to bet that this is it. It's about to be it. God, UConn's bad. They're so bad. So, so bad. See, I don't even have to ask, a, I don't have to ask the question now to end the show. We just did it. I guess on that note, I can end the show. I'll come up with another second in these next 15 seconds. I can think of something here. But first, make sure you're following the Underdog Podcast on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, whatever. There's, there's all kinds of different outlets out there these days. So make sure you're doing that. Leave us reviews. Follow Underdog Dynasty on Twitter and Facebook. I'm at Joe Serp on Twitter. Joe, what's your Twitter handle there again? Joe Broback. I think I thought it was that easy. Sometimes people have those weird ones. Maybe I thought it was like Joe Cool Broback. Joe Joe underscore B C F B two five two four eight six five. Is that your phone number? No, I don't. I just made up numbers as as we went. Yeah, and I guess on that note, thanks for listening to this episode of the Underdog Podcast, and Joe. Does Randy Etzel have a job after this week? <laughs> yeah, he, he will, unfortunately. The coordinator, maybe not. <laughs>